This is All Things ANSYS, a podcast from the technical support staff at PADT. Episode 85, Doug Otis shares an update on what is new for ANSYS Additive Suite and optimization along with news and events from the world of ANSYS. My name is Eric Miller. I'm one of the owners here at PDT and your host for these podcasts. I'm recording this on April 2nd, uh, which is one year and one day since PDT went into lockdown in Arizona. We've been back to voluntary return to work for some time uh, with strong social distancing and masking and all those rules in place. But every week, a few more employees um, reach that fully vaccinated status and come back to the office full or part time. So it's it's good to see people around. I, I myself, like me, um, I'm recording this from my office at PADT. You can probably hear the air conditioner in the background. It's been missing for a year um, at, at our facility here in Tempe. Uh, and it's kind of nice to be here in the office. Um, I'm about four Four weeks out or three weeks out from my vaccination. So um, second shot. And so I've been in the office this week. So it's been nice and uh, to see people's faces in 3D instead of on a 2D screen. Um, we still have a way to go, but it's good to be uh, on the side, this side of the curve. Uh, and we're, we're staying busy here at PADT. So one of the things I want to talk about before we get into our discussion is that uh, we're hiring. Um, first of all, looking for an account manager, um, simulation software sales in the Bay Area, California. So if you are interested in sales in the ANSYS world, uh, we are hiring there. We're also hiring for an um, account manager here in the Tempe office to, cover, to help cover um, more of Arizona. In addition, uh, we have two openings for antenna application engineers. So these are engineers who know HFSS, specifically in the antenna application area, both for here in Tempe as well as in our Littleton, Colorado office. And then uh, one of my departments uh, has two recs out. Um, these are more design, uh, product development, and simulation consulting. So this is really working in the consulting team. The first is a kind of a new position. It's called customer success engineer. It's something that all of our engineers have done part-time, but we want somebody really focused on that. It's somebody that really is kind of the interface between um, the engineers and the customers and make sure that they're communicated with and, and everything's going great. And then we're really looking for a product development engineer as well. So this is a experienced uh, engineer with a lot of different skills, uh, CAD, test, design, uh, problem solving is the most important, project management, all those sort of things. So if you've done product development in any industry and you're interested in joining our team in Tempe, please do reach out. You can, you can head on over to padtinc.com and at the top click on careers and you'll see a full list of all of our openings and positions. Um, I will note that we are an ITAR compliant facility. These are uh, jobs here in Tempe. And so all of these positions do require US citizenship or a resident status. So people that uh, might be from other countries that are interested, sorry, not this time. Uh, hopefully we'll have some openings in the future that uh, might allow that. Um, let's do jump right into our uh, our discussion today. Um, we're joined by PDT's very own Doug Otis, who's been on this podcast many times. He's uh, calling from his home in Colorado. He's not quite back in the office yet. Uh, and we're going to talk about ANSYS Additive Suite and optimization at uh, 2021 R1. Another discussion with Doug Otis in Colorado about um, ANSYS Additive Solutions and some optimization stuff. How are you doing, Doug? Good. How are you? 
doing great. Doing great. You're actually I'm, back I'm, in the office now. I'm in the office, so it's it's official. Um, living the dream. Living the dream. I'm back. <laughs> I, you know, nobody cleaned it while I was gone, so it's just as messy as it was a year ago when I left it. And maybe a little bit more dust, but uh, still a lot of knickknacks and crap in the background. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> if anybody's ever seen my office, I, I tend to collect a lot of little things, and they're kind of behind me. Um, so um, that being said, collect and hoard, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I can give it, I, I'm not hoarding. I, I, right, I can, right. I can get rid of some of it. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Retirement fund. That's right. That's right. I'm going to eBay it all when I retire. Um, yeah. So, so we're going to talk today about uh, one of our favorite subjects here at PADT because uh, we do, you know, as those of you who listen regularly know, we, we not only do ANSYS, but we also do a lot of additive manufacturing here. So the ability to use ANSYS to model additive manufacturing has been been a lot of fun and, and excitement for us. So um, Doug's going to lead us through. Um, it seems like this release was mostly under the hood. There's there's some important stuff, but it's not as big, um, you know, user-facing improvements that, uh, that we've seen in the last couple of releases. Is that a good assessment? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, there's no, like, brand new feature. Like, <laughs> everything is typically, like, you know, either an addition to an existing, um, like a slight modification or like an expansion of, you know, some, something else. So, um, you know, I, I you know, I, I say that, you know, one of, you know, the updates was actually removing the beta tag from uh, one of the additive science products, which right. we'll talk about, which is a pretty big thing, obviously. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, but no, no, like, uh, no new toys. The toys just, I guess, work better. <laughs> that's that's weird to put. No new toys, but the toys work better right. and have more uh, more things to play with on them. That's yeah. good. Yeah, or better ways to play. So let's start with additive. Um, what's your favorite uh, new capability that they've added at this release? Well, I mean, when, like it's, it's I, I think you first have to like step through the product suite because, yeah. you know, there, there's, you know, Optimization could be part of additive, but you know mm -hmm. it's also kind of you know process independent. But as far as additive, you know mm -hmm. you kind of have to step through each product suite, and you know it's primarily focused for anyone that's not familiar with this at all. It's just powder bed fusion. That's that's the primary right. uh, user base here, and so you have uh, a tool called Additive Prep, and so mm -hmm. that is uh, that that sits within SpaceClaim, and it's there to essentially help you put your part on a build plate and actually generate a build file. And so, you know, the new at, you know, 2021 R1, I'm going to fall over that several times. Uh, we, yeah, we, every every um, one of these we've done for 2021 R1 right. and we've stumbled over. Yeah, know? yeah. So, um, so, you know, the the big thing is, you know, being able to write EOS and Renishaw build files. So mm -hmm. actually being able to, you know, uh, uh, write the file that actually is sent to the machine and build it. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, so, you know, sing kind of one-stop print shop from that. Right, right. Um, but beyond that, so additive prep, in addition to actually generating the build file, you know, the, the slice data and, that, that, and the scan data, um, it has an, the ability to kind of guide you in, you know, how should I place my part on my right. plate? Um, and it's not actually solving anything. It's not solving mm -hmm. a... Uh, an FEA, a thermal, any type of voxel-based simulation. Um, it's more of a rules-based kind of, um, you know, from 
Yeah, it's basically like instant vector math. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, um, and you know, it kind of gives you a, a a color map based off of the orientation and what you're like most important, what's most important to you. And so, kind of the those most important to you is the, the you had essentially three to begin with, and it was you know the build time, mm -hmm. the tendency of it to distort, and how much support material you're going to need. Right. And so, new at this one is. Um, a cool feature, it, it basically tells you the shadow. So if you're trying to fit as many parts onto your plate um, as you possibly can, you want to make sure that you're consuming the least amount of real estate, you know, that the shadow un underneath your actual part is minimal. So um, kind of a nice way to to, to look at, at placement based off of um, uh, the shadow and then also looking at a stair the stair stepping so essentially you know layer by layer as you you know any type of angled right. surface relative to the build direction uh, looking at that yeah I, I, um, I like that the the visualization is really kind of handy and it's it's when we teach the design for additive class we talk a lot about those things mm -hmm. but until you built a lot of parts you can't just look at something and say, oh, this is going to have bigger stair steps, right? This this is really right. useful. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if, you know, stair step is, you know, it's, it's similar to running a, a simulation off of a printed part is it's not just giving you the answer, but it's also telling you like how much, you know, post-processing am I going to have mm -hmm. to do mm -hmm. in order to get this, you know, to meet whatever spec I have. Right. Um, and, you know, the the other thing is, you know, the, the ability to generate this color map of, you know, that tells you how you should orient it relative to your build direction um, is faster. So mm -hmm. always a good thing. Oh, good. Good, good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, faster is always better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but we're talking about additive prep and that actually resides with it. You said this, it resides yes. within space claim. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, right. which is which yeah, is good right. to know. Yeah, so yeah. so I think a lot of people don't realize that it's in there. So um, it's it's a pretty cool tool, and it's going to get better. Um, these are these are small changes, but under the hood, I know they're doing a lot more that'll right. that'll show up in future releases. So yeah, um, I mean, and, space, mm -hmm. space claim kind of jumps into this additive world in a, a couple different directions. So you know, from the topology optimization side, it's it's involved um, on the back end, on the printing side, it's involved on the front end. Yep. Yep. And and we here at PADT have an EOS M400, so I'm glad to see that that's in the list. So I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the only thing to realize is generating a build file for, you know, the EOS or the Renishaws, you, you actually have to have a license. Uh, for, right. You know, whatever the EOS print and the Renishaw license scheme, um, I, I won't pretend to, to properly appreciate those. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but a license ha has to be available. But beyond that, you know, you can have multiple machine configurations. You can edit those and, you know, change around all oh, bunch of things. Cool. All right. Well, let's move on to the next product then. Yeah. Um, so, and then we get to the, the, yeah, the formerly, I'll, I'll kind of group them together, additive print, additive science, the formerly uh, 3D sim. It's been long enough that they, they should just be additive print, additive science in everyone's yes. mind. Yes. These are... The outside workbench, you know, this is not a workbench-based product. This is a standalone, um, primarily intended, you know, additive print is if I have a machine and I I can tune my uh, my simulation or tune my my analysis to the actual machine that I have on hand. Um, 
and you know really intended for you know you don't have to worry about meshing it's it's voxel based it has distortion compensation all sorts of stuff um the the thing here is you know in 2021 r1 they added some documentation and some theory reference just to kind of show you the boundary conditions and what, what they're trying to do so um always a good you know Theory is good, you know, documentation is always good, um, just for, especially when it includes pictures. Um, I guess I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a picture guy, so um, I'll always appreciate that. Um, and then on the additive science, so this is the exact same interface. So the additive science is really more for tuning a machine, uh, playing around with right. different parameters. What does it actually do, um, you know, from a process standpoint? So evaluating, you know. Uh, uh, melt, uh, melt pool dimensions, uh, looking at porosity or any type of manufacturing induced defects. Um, uh, and the big thing that I had previously mentioned, the microstructure where you're actually, mm -hmm. you know, uh, predicting what the microstructure is on the surface, that's the, the beta tag is off on that one. And so Yay. Uh, fully supported for three materials, uh, Inconel, uh 718 stainless steel and the uh, alphabet soup. Aluminum. The alphabet so, aluminum. Yeah. The aluminum with <laughs> the, other stuff. The uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I my way through it. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, those are those are the big things, and you know, just kind of a, a retuning of the material properties, uh, just based off of you know recent test. I think it's it's really important if you if you if you're new to the the additive suite uh, that Ansys has, um, not 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 just what's new in this release, but um, you know, additive science has the potential to be a real game changer in that it's actually looking at the shape of the of the microstructure after you melt and solidify with the laser right, right. Um, and and the fact that the microstructure product which is you know really difficult to do is out of beta means it's past quality assurance um yep. and i think that's what's been taking a while because in order to pass quality assurance, they got to do actual physical testing and then compare the results to physical testing. So that's very encouraging. Right. Um, and um, definitely if you're interested in that. So that's, you know, instead of building these things and slicing them and looking at them in a microscope and taking pictures, um, being able to predict this stuff and then change some of your parameters on the build side, uh, on the machine side, the virtual machine side, to get some different microstructure behavior uh, in a virtual way is going to be a huge time and money saver. So if, if you're interested in that, do reach out to us because uh, we're learning as well uh, with this tool and uh, using it with our machines and some of our R&D we're doing for customers. And uh, it's pretty cool stuff. Uh, I'm pleased uh, to see it get out of beta. So, yeah. Yeah, and and you know from a you know taking a step back on you know what like what do you actually do with that, mm -hmm. um, and so I mean you can kind of you know start to see well you know that this can govern you know what type you know fatigue and additive and metal printing is is kind of a sensitive topic it's like fatigue and composites but you know <laughs> you can kind of use this to to understand you know what does that structure look like what would that do for any type of cyclic loading that i might have so it, it offers some additional insight to you know how you you know the, the machine parameters how it may affect downstream or actual part performance and kind of same thing with you know doing any type of thermal relief or you know any type right. of you know uh, heat treatment you know what does that do how, what type of creep law could i match relative to you know whatever the grain structure is um and so the, you know it off you can kind of see it, it opens up the doors to you know some, some more fine tuning cool
I, I, um, I'm excited. I've been excited about that since it came out. So I, I'm glad to see it move forward. And, and the other thing on the additive science is opening up the range of input parameters for mm -hmm. uh, for the machine. So it used to be kind of hard coded, limited on you know the you know the cooling rate or you know some of the other um, machine specific mm -hmm. parameters. Is you know it's only considered a, a narrower range of values, and so the, those have been expanded. Which is which? I got to give credit to the vendors. Um, you know, they 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 were kind of like, "This is our secret sauce. We don't want to share it with you." And I think they've realized that their users want to know what those things are, and they so they've shared it with Ansys, and that's been it's been really positive. Um, and and I'm gonna jump back to the additive print because I yeah. realized I completely botched one of the things I, I wrote down. <laughs> um, the so additive print can read in a build file. And so it's, you know, each rev you see more machine support. And so mm -hmm. there's seven different uh, machine manufacturers that uh, it supports. And so, you know, it's not just EOS and Renishaw. It is oh, uh, Sysma, SLM, Trump, uh, yeah. HP3D, and Additive Industries. So, uh, so the, the ability yeah. to, to read that in and run a more detailed simulation off of what you're, you're printing um, to evaluate. Let's let me explain that. Uh, dig into it a little bit deeper for those that aren't familiar with some of the terminology. If you're not a, an, uh, a laser powder bed fusion person, you know the way these machines work is a given layer of powder. We we take a laser and we draw on that top layer, and it melts the powder, and then the powder solidifies. So you can get pretty damn close just saying, "I'm going to melt these regions with uh, on this layer," um, and and get some useful information like thermals and and what your residual stresses and deformations are going to be it's not it's not that inaccurate but if you really want to get into it especially if you want to look at microstructure the what we call the scan path what pattern does the laser follow that's critical uh, to getting those more detailed things and that's what we're talking about when we talk about build files so you go into your machine you program all the layers now we take what the laser is going to do and read that in and uh, it's pretty important stuff right yeah, you play around with the laser width, the power, yep. the uh, you know left to right, right to left, yep, yep, up yep. to down. Do you do you go? Do you randomly move around the build area and do one inch squares, or do you? Well, probably these are all European machines, one centimeter squares, or do you um, do you start at the top and go to the bottom? You know, there's a lot of these things that you can define in these machines, and so once you've defined them, and it calculates the beam path. Um, and, and that's going to impact. That's that's to take it to the next level. Um, so um, the, to see more of those machines, and you know, to be honest, the majority of them out there are EOS and SLM, and those are the top two. I want to say GE is number three, or Renishaw is number three. I can't remember which. So uh, they're hitting the big guys. Well, I hope to see hope to see GE in there next, which is former Concept Laser. All right, so uh, very so, cool on that. Do you, anything more on those ones, or you want to move to Workbench? Out no, no. I think uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna push this along just because I know there's a lot <laughs> to discuss, um, and okay. so it's actually kind of a nice segue to the, yeah. the the Workbench additive. Right. And so now you know, the, talking about additive print, additive science, those are outside of the Workbench environment, and so um, inside of the Workbench environment, you have the Workbench additive. Uh, a toolkit, tool suite, whatever you want to call it, um, which is essentially uh, solving a transient thermal simulation, coupling that to a static structural. So it opens up all of the, you know, uh, uh, mechanical APDL material models and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. So it offers you, you know, a bit more flexibility in playing around with, you know, what's 
part of the plate, what's being built, what isn't. And um, but the difference here, and you know, we we're just talking about build files, and so investigating, you know, the the scan direction, what that does to the the thermal stresses and strains that develop. Um, so workbench additive doesn't necessarily account for scan data. It's it's more of a layer by layer basis. So it's kind of assuming that that you uh, have your machine tuned properly. You're not pro you know keyholing or you know anything like that so mm -hmm. it's kind of a more holistic approach um, and primarily you know the the user base here um, is like if you're I don't want to say new to additive but if you're investigating can this be printed rather than can this be printed on this machine so that those kind of different you know questions and mm -hmm. so workbench additive um, you know there's you know one of the the things that was uh, that's been kind of you know, jumping around and, you know, was originally introduced as a command snippet, then it became a mm -hmm. contact object. And really it's it's now its own separate uh, uh, tree object uh, in the connections branch. And it deals with the, it's called the AM bond. Uh, I believe that's the APDL command. I'd have to look in the documentation. I think that's but correct. It's, <laughs> it's the way that, you know, you can, in, you can re use an STL representation of your support structure. Mm -hmm. And it's how we connect that to uh, typically a layered tetrahedron mesh. Um, and so layered tetrahedron, so initial release of the workbench additive, everything had to be hexes. Then this layered tetrahedron where it's a mesher that builds up a tetrahedron in a layer by layer basis. So that way, as the solver works, we can turn elements on or off, or I guess turn them on um, as we build in the, you know, positive, build in the Z direction. And so, you know, you kind of key the element, uh, height and, and kind of keep that consistent layer so that way you can track what happens on a layer by layer basis. So the that AM bond is now a, a completely separate uh, object in the tree. Um, and then you know the other you know the layer tetrahedron mesh um, mm -hmm. has um, I'll, I'll I'll you know I'll be honest I've I've struggled with using it at times uh, with mm -hmm. complicated geometry. So mm -hmm. there's been some new uh, Kind of program defaults that are that uh, should simplify the setup and make it a bit more accessible and a bit more, um, you know, uh, less in, if um, not intensive but um, uh, intimidating. That's the word I was looking mm -hmm. for. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's uh, for those that aren't familiar with it, the the layered tetrahedral is basically a tetrahedral element where you can define a, a local coordinate system and then define layers uh, along the z direction in in that coordinate system and. Uh, getting yeah it can get messy <laughs> pretty yeah, quick it's, <laughs> yeah it's you know if you if you've ever used like the the patch independent measure it's one mm -hmm. of these where you're just there's a lot of controls there um mm -hmm. and uh, i've taken to you know whenever i'm teaching a class and you know and showing everything it's you know saying you don't have to use all of this Wait. like you don't have to use all of these but on the you know the the land tetrahedral um, it used to be you'd have to play around with a, a lot of the different settings. So program control should help. But the biggest thing is on the post-processing. And so, uh, you know, one of the things you look at when in these powder bit fusion is the recoder interface. So essentially as I'm printing and I'm moving my recoder that essentially spreads new powder on a layer by layer basis, as I'm printing, am I going to, def you know, am I going to grow into my recoder? Am I going to have to worry about, you know, having to, you know, and depending on if you have a rigid or a flexible recoder, this can mean, you know, damaged recoder or damaged machine. Um, mm -hmm. And so 
Um, and you know, anytime that you do that, you know, you can kind of kiss that entire build process goodbye. Right. So however long you were running the machine, that's lost money. So recoder interface that used to be an ACT extension um, and the post processing uh, was less than fast. <laughs> um, it's complicated. Uh, yes. It was, yeah, so, because I mean, essentially, has to interrogate the entire model in the and look at a layer by layer, yes. you know, and build direction growth, and then compare it to an allowable, and then you know, give a margin essentially. Um, so the post processing has been improved and it essentially writes its own separate file now. Nice uh, to to more uh, to more quickly post process um, that, and then it also includes a, an end lay, a layer end temperature, essentially giving you a hot spot readout for you know as I build this up, you know, uh, could this potentially be a problem where you know mm -hmm. I either need to slow the build speed down or you know add some support to get the, the heat out heat. that 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 kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Love it. That's very useful. It, it's it, it's so they they're getting into you know, solving real world build problems here. Yeah, that's good, good and stuff. The, the other cool thing, so mm -hmm. the, in the workbench interface, the, it runs a wizard. So kind of mm -hmm. walks you through the setup to kind of make it sim a, a bit easier. Mm -hmm. um, because we're operating in workbench, we can also use other tools. And so if we're trying to calibrate, you know, some stress scaling factors. So this is typically used for more kind of quick simulations to, to, to you know, validate can this be printed and you know, the stress scaling factor can be tuned to a specific machine. Um, we can plug that in and the wizard will actually walk you through and create an optimization routine until okay. you can identify, you know, if you have like, you know, most calibration prints are, you know, cantilever beam or, mm -hmm. you know, some fairly basic shape. But, you know, if you have, uh, you know, something that you've printed that you know the distortion in any direction, so it doesn't just have to be in the build direction, um, you can walk it through and, you know, actually run an optimization to have it try to figure out what should the uh, uh, stress scaling factor be in order to obtain, you know, the coefficient of the right answer. Mm -hmm. Very useful. Yeah. And that you do have to calibrate these things, right? So, yes. yeah, that's that's really important. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, Ooh, so, that's so it. That's it on that's the it, that's, 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 <laughs> So that's that's good stuff, um, and, and very useful um, for for people using it. Um, and and as always, um, you know, if anybody has any questions about any of this stuff, what we're going to talk about next as well, you know, do reach out, and we can point you in the right direction. Um, you know, Ansys is very committed to to improving their additive tools. Um, you know, in, in my opinion, the, the work they're putting into space claim to add pre-processing capabilities in there um, is fantastic. Um, and I won't get into the my, the religious wars of pre-processing for 3D printing, but there's one company that's kind of dominated that for a very long time. And it'll be nice to to break our dependency on that monopoly. So <laughs> it's good, 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 good stuff. Okay, let's switch gears completely and talk about the 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 what's new in um, um, optimization? Topology optimization. It's topology so, optimization. Yeah. Yeah, and it, and I guess now it's not even topology optimization because we there's a shape optimizer now. Right. Um, it's well. all built in. Yeah. Together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you know to to simplify this down, topology optimization. If you're unfamiliar, this is essentially I give the solver a block and some boundary conditions, and then it whittles away uh, to meet whatever uh, objectives and constraints that that I've set. Um, in addition to manufacturing constraints and 
whole bunch of other stuff. Um, whereas shape optimization is I give it the starting shape and then it actually distorts the, the mesh in order to you know meet the, the exact same uh, objectives and criteria. Mm -hmm. um, so from a pre-processing, you know, feeding uh, analysis environments into your topology optimization, uh, you can now use joints. So um, if you don't use joints, I uh, I use joints all the time. It's, mm -hmm. it's a pretty nice way of, you know, I almost call it like a linearized contact, but it's a nice way <laughs> to add, you know, rotational degrees of freedom or, you know, uh, uh, you know, kind of, you know, create the proper load path so that way we're optimizing off of the correct you know, load path. Yeah, it, um, it, it really opens up the door. In, a, in the past, when we were doing topological optimization, we almost had to pick the part we wanted to optimize, and and use our full ANSYS model, say the existing design, to come up with the loads to apply to the part itself. With with joints, we can now do some pretty cool assembly stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you're not kind of limited in you mm -hmm. know basically more the more options that you, you know it's it's you know. The, the you get a more realistic output for topology optimization based off of a more realistic input okay. to the to you know for for the loading condition. So more options is better. <laughs> yeah, garbage garbage in, garbage out. So this right. this gets rid of some of the garbage. Yes. <laughs> right. Good. 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 Okay. Um, what else? And then so the ability to use stress uh, a stress criteria. So it kind of allows you to, you know, the, the optimized shape that you get out of it um, basically builds in your fillets for you. Um, so you don't have to put those in. And so you can essentially ha have that as a criteria. And then on kind of the flip side, so typically, you know, the, the basic optimization solution is typically, you know, a, a compliance base where we're essentially trying to just, you know, reduce or maximize the, the strain energy. Mm -hmm. And so you can now actually define a constraint on the strain energy. So that way you kind of can set a bound of like, thou shalt not be weaker than this. Right. Um, I kind of view that as, as more of like a, a, a more experience level control because, you know, you have to be comfortable with, you know, what is strain energy and, and you know, do some additional work up front in order to understand, you know, what does this compliance mean relative to, to my structure but it's a nice introduction of you know anytime that you remove a limit um and you know that that's a good thing yeah yeah it, it, it's uh, you know when, when you we're really moving into um having getting more towards the solution we want right yeah. rather than well this is what i can come up with but uh, really really dialing in and if you, if you do take a look at some of the examples that ansys has and, and if you've listened to the webinar that that doug just did or or take a look at some of the other material on it you can you can see the parts are are, are looking less funky <laughs> you know and I, I i i don't know how to quantify that but it's like <laughs> I gotta go in there. Funky. Yeah, listen, listen, <laughs> I, I I know I'm looking at the original the way it would have optimized, and I, and I know that I'm gonna have to go into my CAD model and fix a few things, right? It, it's coming up with shapes that kind of deal with that geometry on its own, right? Right. right. And and at the same time, I don't think it, like I'm in that that I'm always gonna be in the mindset that you know this is always gonna be a guide. And it can yes. be a really good guide and get you like, you know, 99% of the way there, depending <laughs> on the use case. Right. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, um, you know, 
uh, Skynet is not going to print itself. Um, <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> we're, we're safe for a few years. Um, <laughs> and so, so yeah, I mean, there's always going to be some guidance, but yeah, the, the ability to have, you know, multiple loading environments, play around with a lot of different settings, your own constraints. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a nice way to, you know, uh, so, so to hit on a couple of those. So one of the reasons that the output looks a little cleaner or a little uh, less you know, work intensive on the post-processing side is that, uh, at least on the density, the, the SIMP solver, um, mm -hmm. there's what was beta as far as the, how we filter out elements to keep or mm -hmm. remove, that's now a nonlinear filter, it's been fully released, so Good. that's that's now the default. Um, and so if, if yeah. Yeah, and then yeah, to hit on yeah. the more expert level parameters, the ability to kind of play around with the initial volume fraction. So, you know, this deals with kind of, you know, I don't want to say that we're kind of differently seeding the model with holes, but mm -hmm. it's a different way. You know, if you have a highly nonlinear response to all of your boundary conditions to what the optimized shape is, you can play around with this and get some more, um, you know, a, a different output based off of how you initially seed the model. Okay. Uh, so again, just more, this isn't something that everyone has to use. It's just something that if you're comfortable with the underlying math, um, mm -hmm. uh, and, I, and maybe me saying that indicates that maybe I'm not comfortable with, <laughs> with the underlying math, but um, you know, it, it, it's one of those, I'll call it like an expert level parameter. Right, right. Um, and really getting to, to, to a more optimal design and a, and a more, um, uh, feasible design maybe out there yeah yep yeah. and then just to hit on a couple other things so you know the one of the things that we can do in an optimization is specify some manufacturing constraints right so this isn't necessarily s specific to additive like you can you know this can be a casting operation right. this can be w whatever um but uh, for the overhang constraint, now this is specific to, to, to additive. additive. Um, it used to be, you know, you could only do the global Z and it had to be your entire domain. Now you can play around with the orientations, play around with the user-defined coordinate systems. Um, and then one of the constraints is an extrusion constraint. So making sure we essentially maintain the same cross-section in a user-defined direction. It used to only work with hexahedral meshes. Now it works with tetrahedrals. Um, and so, yeah. Um, and then as far as the other manufacturing constraint, you're talking about casting or even additive, the um, level set uh, deal it can support a minimum thickness control. So if you're trying to you know, keep it producible. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, and that's important um, because sometimes the level set would come up with some uh, crazy thin parts. So that's good. Good to know. Yeah, yeah, and the the last one, the the shape optimization, um, it's it's kind of taken away some control and, and introduced some program controlled. So mm -hmm. again, this kind of relates to distorting the mesh, and you know how much is it allowed to distort the mesh? How much is it allowed to distort on an iteration to iteration basis, or versus the total move? So that used to be, um, you know. Uh, I don't want to say expert level, but you had to mm -hmm. kind of pay attention to your meshing. You had to pay attention to, you know, dimensions and that kind of stuff. So that's been, uh, there, there have been some automated rules put in place for that. Yeah, and, and, and it seems that it's coming up with what I would call dimples <laughs> on some of the geometries because of that, uh, adding that capability in there, it seems. Well, 
which is you know that's some serious weight that wasn't getting taken out before um it's kind of kind of cool yeah um, yeah it's definitely like you know during the during the webinar there was a question of like when would you use one versus the other mm -hmm. and you know it's essentially you know one your the, the topology optimization you're tied to the original like domain size right like you're not going to grow outside of that mm -hmm. you're not going to add material whereas the shape optimization is just going to keep distorting the mesh you know, as long as everything works, um, you know, it'll, it can grow in any particular direction. Yeah, it does open up some new things. Uh, you know, my, my big advice for folks that haven't looked, and I say this every time we talk, who haven't looked at topological optimization, which we're, we're now just calling shape optimization, I think, um, is um, take a look again. Um, yeah. Every release, every release, make it better and better, right? Yeah. 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 And, and, yeah. We, we, we looked at, uh, uh, a third-party product recently, um, which we'll, we'll we'll not name, but um, you know, I, I think it was one of those things where three years ago we would have said, "Oh yeah, we can't do that." Now we're going, yeah, most of that we can do now. Right, and you know, it, it yeah, yeah. There's it, each release. Like if you didn't like it, you know, a year ago, like it probably <laughs> we probably yes. addressed it. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, talking about things that change from release to release, uh, the kind of last topic, and what I'll, I'll now recommend for everyone doing any type of topology optimization on the uh, on the validation side of things. Right. So the one thing that is um, that that Ansys doesn't do is you can't really look at you know stresses on the optimized shape in the topology optimization. So right. It just you know, the, the way that we you know discretize it, the way that we use shape functions, the way that we mm -hmm. use kind of either pseudo densities or turn elements on or off. You know, it's one of those where you know it's you should really be running a validation off of the geometry. And so, you know, the the method that you go through, um, you know, whether I'm using you know an STL output or actual geometry, that's it's essentially been changing each rev. Um, mm -hmm. And it's something that, you know, if you look in the documentation and kind of follow the instructions, it should get there. <laughs> yep. And obviously, if it doesn't, you know, you're, you wouldn't be the first one to ask a tech support question on that. But, you know, at 2021 R1, the, the workflow to go from optimized shape to optimize, you know, convert that to geometry has changed a bit and it's primarily leaning on the auto skin feature and we're talking now about a feature within space claim okay and so it essentially allows you to take um you know you essentially have your jello uh, you, you got your your optimized shape that's embedded in your original uh structure your, your original starting block mm -hmm. um and then the auto skin essentially does an auto trimming routine um in order to you know create actual geometry uh, from the uh, STL output, so that, that um, you can then mesh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you can then mesh. You could you could take that anywhere you want it. Like mm -hmm. it's you know you could export that as parasol aces any, any you know wherever you want to take that, uh, wherever, whatever you like to do with CAD geometry, mm -hmm. um, have at it. If if you're not the CAD, yeah, that's a really good point. So, um, you know, I think in the past what a lot of people would do is pass an STL to their CAD person. Right. And right. say fix it. <laughs> um, now you can you can you can use the auto skin and send them send definitely a better starting point. Yeah, it, 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 it's, I'm sorry. Like the, the that's one of those where it's like not appreciating what it takes to turn either scan data or STLs into geometry. Yeah. Like 
it's like it's like oh well you this should take you you know 10 minutes it's like oh i wish and, you know, there, there, yeah there are tools that, that help with that and you know the auto skin is one of those um but yeah i mean you know there's there's always a little bit of artwork a little bit of experience that that, that goes into that so um you know the you know the workflow like i said changes from rev to rev review the instructions to, to see, you know, what what needs to be connected to what on the project page. Um, and obviously, if you have problems, contact your support provider. Yeah, 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 definitely. Well, very cool. And um, lots of good stuff in there. Um, yeah, this went longer than the 10 minutes. Yeah, we thought we talked just, about <laughs> yeah, we were, beforehand, we were kind of like, ah, okay, this will go really fast. And then no, the more we talked about it, the cooler the stuff is, right? Because it's, it's, if you list it out, it's not a lot of bullet points. Yeah. But each bullet point's kind of a big deal. So, yeah, yeah, I, I like it. Um, well, always appreciate your time, Doug. Yeah. And um, everybody do check this out. Just do check out, if you want to see some of the pictures and stuff, do the recording on uh, on um, uh, our, right. our webinar, the last one that we did. And, uh, you know, we, we hope to see more. You know, this is this is just 2021 R1. R2 is going to have cool stuff in it. We'll talk about yeah, it then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. We, didn't, we didn't talk about the beta features. There's some yeah. good stuff coming um, to, you know, essentially all aspects of it. So, um, and, you know, kind of the roadmap even further out um, looks yep. looks pretty promising. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of effort going into this, and uh, uh, definitely keep up with it if you're if you're interested. Um, all right, well, thanks, thanks, Doug. I'll let you get back to um, to work, and um, we'll talk soon about something else. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. All right, bye. As was mentioned, when we looked at the list of new things, we didn't think it'd be a very long conversation, but when you get into each of them, they're all pretty significant. So we, I think we covered it all. Um, I'd like to remind everybody that you can get more details on what we talked about uh, in the release notes. Always recommend reading those or by going to brighttalk.com and searching for PADT and register to watch the recording of Doug, Doug's webinar on this topic. I'm going to do a very quick commercial today. Um, if you need additional resources for your simulation, please consider PADT. Structural, thermal, dynamics, nonlinear dynamics, fluids, low-frequency electromagnetics, high-frequency electromagnetics, systems, of course, multi-physics, all these are the things that we do as a service for other people. So please reach out to PADT at info at PADTINC.com and let us create a proposal for any simulation work you're considering outsourcing. Um, I think you'll be very happy. Many, many, many people are. So uh, join uh, our group of customers in that area. Let's take a look at the ANSYS stock. Um, I did this early in the morning, so the market had not closed. So these numbers are may have gone up or down, but um, it's been a bit of a roller coaster since the last time I looked. But it's been mostly up right now. Uh, again, which is early in the morning, uh, it was sitting at three fifty one eighty five. That's much better than the two ninety three on March eighth, but still not back to the all time high of four hundred thirteen dollars and nineteen cents uh, in February. It's been a full month, a full quarter actually, and so it's probably a good time to look back at how ANSYS is doing in comparison with the um, S&P 500 as well as other stocks we look at in the sector. So the S&P 500 is up since the beginning of the year, since January 1, 7%, 7.02 to be precise. And ANSYS is actually down since the start. It started quite high at the beginning of the year. So it's down 3.28% uh, again this morning. In the group that we usually look at, P PTC is doing the best. Um, it's up 20% year to date. 
Altair is up 8.83% year-to-date, and Autodesk is also down, along with Ansys, 7.02%, which ironically is the exact mirror of how much the S&P 500 was up at the time. Um, And um, again, it it was 9.15 Pacific on April 2nd, so uh, do check and see what happened the rest of the day if you're very interested in that sort of stuff. But, you know, it's recovering from that uh, lowness. Um, The economy's picking up, manufacturing's picking up, um, employment is picking up, so uh, we'll see if the market defies common sense and a product like Ansys, which should do well in a situation like that, goes down, or if it goes up as well. I don't have any news from Ansys themselves. They're in a quiet period right now while they're looking at the end of the quarter. Um, we do have some news from PADT, uh, which will be uh, announced uh, officially um, um, sometime around the time this podcast comes out. Um, so the, the big one is that um, we are a uh, EOS reseller now. So it's not ANSYS related. Um, if you don't know EOS, they're the leading laser powder bed fusion 3D printing solution in the world. They're a German company. And we now sell it in Arizona, California, Colorado, New Mexico, Nevada, Texas, and Utah, as well as a few other states along the border of those. So if you're in one of those states and want to know more about uh, why we feel EOS, why we chose it as the technology we use in-house and that we now sell, please do reach out. So again, that's EOS, uh, Metal Laser Powder Bed Fusion Systems, and uh, pretty much across the Southwest, uh, same areas that we sell ANSYS in uh, pretty much. Um, we've got some other announcements that um, I was going to bring up, but uh, I think we're going to wait till the press releases come out. Uh, they're not necessarily hidden, but I don't want to steal any thunder. So I'll wait for those other uh, two uh, as time goes by. Uh, ANSYS blog-wise, uh, the three articles that I liked uh, a while back, ANSYS got involved. I don't know if you remember uh, reading it or hearing on the podcast that ANSYS was supporting some electric uh, plane racing uh, efforts. And uh, one of the teams, a Swiss team that is participating in the Air Race E-Challenge, uh, did an article on the blog, uh, How They Use ANSYS to Win. Uh, it's called From an Idea to an Airplane, How One Team is Rising to the Air Race E-Challenge. And it's a great overview of of applying ANSYS technology to what I think is going to be really cool and fun to watch. And we'll move the electrification of uh, aircraft forward as well, as racing often does. Staying in the air, the next article that I picked was how to how to quiet drones with acoustic simulation. So one of the things I don't like about drones, multi-copter drones, or multi-rotor drones, is they can be really loud, right? They get a lot of interference from the turbulence from all those little propellers. Um, so this looks at how you use CFD. Uh, Aeroacoustics, so in Fluent doing the acoustic simulation, along with VRX Experience Sound. So that's our ability to take the uh, profile from the CFD simulation that, that says this is what the sound looks like mathematically, put it into VR Experience, and you can actually hear what it sounds like. So not only can you reduce the overall decibels, but it may be an annoying sound, which is true of a lot of these drones. Um, So uh, it's pretty cool uh, application of that. It's a great example of using uh, multiple ANSYS tools to get noise reduction uh, in place. And as we go more and more into electrification, we have more and more of these sound problems. uh, So do check that out. And the third choice, uh, I'll have to be honest, I could, I'm going to be a little selfish and promote my own post in the ANSYS blog. So they were uh, uh, kind enough to accept one of my posts. Um, it's called Create Your Minimum Viable 
viable product using simulation. So MVPs using simulation. Uh, and in it, I talk about what an MVP actually is. Uh, most people think it's one thing and what it really is is a little bit different. Um, and how you can use a virtual prototype, a digital MVP, to get to market faster and then better uh, products uh, in, as an end result. Uh, one of the things that we talk about a lot in the startup community is in the software side, it's kind of a given that you create an MVP of your product so your customers can test it and you can improve the product very quickly in these very fast iterations. We don't tend not to do that in the hardware side of things because we got to build the hardware and that takes too long. And by the time you get feedback from the customer, you are already committed to manufacturing. So the whole premise of the article is create a virtual prototype and let your customers test that and get feedback on that so that you can affect your design before you commit to manufacturing. So do take a read on that, share it with other folks, especially your management. I think it is a amazing application of simulation that can really make a difference. Um, we did publish that on the ANSYS blog, but we didn't publish anything new on the PADT blog, so nothing there. Event-wise, um, our next uh, webinar is on thermal integrity updates in ANSYS 2021 R1, and that's going to be on April 7th at 1 o'clock uh, Mountain Time, or actually Phoenix Time. Um, and um, it's, a, it's a great topic to talk about thermal integrity. <clears throat> then I'll be hosting uh, the next Arizona Tech Business Networking event. It'll be our 13th, so Lucky 13 or Unlucky 13, whichever you prefer. So if you're interested in or part of the Arizona Tech community, please do show up for these uh, fun. This is our 13th one, so they're kind of fun events. That'll be from 5 to 6.30 on the 15th in the uh, evening. <clears throat> and then the most important event coming up, is ANSYS Simulation World 2021. Last year was a blast. Uh, it was a great event. This year we'll be doing it again. Uh, it's on the 20th and the 21st. And please do go to our website and hit the events button and register from there so that we get credit for your registration. We appreciate that. And then also, if you're in Arizona, we will be putting a team together that's actually going to be pretty good for the 11th annual Tucson Golf Tournament. I will not be participating, but Tyler Shaw, our new uh, VP of Engineering Consulting here at PADT, as well as uh, Kang from our manufacturing department, um, are both pretty good golfers. And then we roped in two customers uh, from Freefall Aerospace to be on our team together. So um, if you're if you're in Tucson or in Arizona at all and you, you want to do a social event um, where we can be outside and be safe, uh, please do sign up for the golf tournament this year. And that's going to be uh, on the 23rd down in Tucson and a great course, beautiful course. And um, that's pretty much it uh, for ANSYS related activities uh, that people would be interested in. And uh, we've got some uh, 3D printing stuff coming up as well as more webinars. So do check out our events page on our website for more information on that. Um, another way that you can keep in touch with what's going on in the world of PADT and ANSYS is to subscribe to our newsletter. So if you go to www.padtinc.com slash opt in, you can sign up for what you want there. Uh, I do want to thank everybody once again for uh, listening to our podcast and being part of our, our journey. Um, in the last year has been an interesting one. It's great to be back in the office. Please do spread the word to folks about the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast in your podcasting program of choice. And do not hesitate to reach out. And uh, again, appreciate your time and we'll talk to you uh, very soon.
Thank you for joining us for the All Things Answers podcast, episode 85. As a reminder, this podcast is not affiliated in any way with ANSYS, Inc., and the opinions expressed are those of the people on the show only and not of their current or former employers. For more information, visit www.padtinc.com slash blog, and please share your thoughts and questions through an email to podcast at padtinc.com. See you next time.